Rushdoony Radio presents An Informed Faith The Position Papers of R.J. Rushdoony by Rush's John Rushdoony Narrated by Nathan F. Conkey Produced with permission by the Calcedon Foundation Chapter 37 Holiness vs. Perfectionism Calcedon Position Paper No. 61 April 1985 a biblical incident rarely preached on is 2 Kings 5, 18 and 19. The Syrian general Naaman, healed of his leprosy by the prophet Elisha, had made a profession of faith. He had a problem, however. The Syrian king, in his infirmity, required a man to lean on as he went to worship in the temple of Rimmon. Naaman was that trusted man. For a general who could easily seize the throne to be so trusted, indicates how highly Naaman was regarded. But Naaman was troubled. When the king bowed to his god, Naaman had to help him to do so and himself bow in the process. Would the Lord pardon Naaman for this? Elisha's answer was affirmative. Quote, Go in peace, end quote. Naaman was not summoned to a life of perfection, but of holiness. And there is a difference. Naaman was not compromising his faith but performing a minor duty in a major career. The idea of perfection is, in essence, a pagan doctrine. The word perfect, as it appears in scripture, has a different meaning than in pagan cultures. Several Greek words are used in the New Testament. In Matthew 5.48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. End quote. The word is teleisos, matured, reaching its appointed goal, completed. Other words translated as, quote, perfect, end quote, have related meanings. For us to be perfect in the biblical sense means to mature in our calling, to do God's will for our lives, and to serve him with all our heart, mind, and being. Perfection in this sense is a process. The preamble to the U.S. Constitution uses, quote, perfect, end quote, in this theological sense, and thus speaks of forming, quote, a more perfect union, end quote. In the modern sense, this is absurd. What can be more perfect than perfect? Perfection, in the non-biblical sense, has long been a goal in various pagan religions, and it has been essentially linked to the idea of autonomous man. To use Neoplatonic terms, man must incarnate in himself the principle of being and attain perfection. This is, in essence, a solitary quest, because to attain true spirituality or intellectuality, to be pure mind or pure spirit, one must divorce oneself from the material world and from other people. People are a troublesome burden, endlessly concerned with their trifles, and an impediment to the realization of the principle in one's being. This pagan concept of perfection separated the person from the world and from society. It created hermits, monks, and detached people. In one pagan faith after another, the true goal of life is detachment, a world and life negation. Eastern religions in particular have been dedicated to this goal of detachment, but its influence has been powerful in the West also. Most of the desert hermits of the early church, many monks, and much popular piety, both Catholic and Protestant, have been dedicated to this ideal. In the 14th century, 
The monks of Athos believed that fasting plus concentration would enable them to realize the uncreated essence of God. Their concentration came from navel watching. When Barlam opposed the, quote, navel-souled ones, end quote, a synod was called to condemn him. The way of perfection is the solitary way. It is often associated with mysticism. In its forms within the church, its goal is the vision of God, or, in other forms, pietism, the perfection of one's personal piety. It is, in any case, an autonomous exercise, not a social one. In relation to the world, it seeks escape and anonymity. Perfection and self-absorption go hand in hand. The doctrine of holiness is radically different. When our Lord summons us to be, quote, perfect, end quote, or mature, that is, to grow in terms of our God-appointed end, he is summoning us to serve God with all our being and to be holy unto him. Quote, And ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people, that ye should be mine. End quote. Leviticus 20, 26. Holiness is always unto the Lord. Moreover, as Revelation 15.4 in the great, quote, Song of Moses, the servant of God, and the Song of the Lamb, end quote, declares, quote, For thou only art holy, end quote. God alone is holy. We are holy to the degree that we separate and dedicate ourselves to him and to his kingdom. To abide in him means to bring forth fruit, John 15.2. To love God means to keep his commandments, John 15.10.14. Our goal, thus, is to do the will of our Father, to serve him with all our heart, mind and being, to love God and our neighbour. The Reformation, and especially the Puritans, defined this work of holiness as the kingdom of God, as a ministry in Christ's name, with the goal being, quote, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign for ever and ever, end quote, Revelation 11, 15. This goal was present from the earliest days of the church and was strong in many medieval movements, although the Neoplatonic perfectionism gained an ascendancy. The rise of pietism again subverted this priority of holiness in the biblical sense. Perfectionism took over. With the rise of perfectionism, impracticality has often been associated with perfection and a pseudo-holiness. Modernism, even more than Catholic and Protestant orthodoxies, has been very prone to perfectionism, and it has done much damage the world over. Pacifism is one form of this perfectionism. Hostility to armaments in any form is another. In one seminary, it was enough to dismiss from consideration as a worthy Christian, a prominent churchman, for the professor to say, quote, He has a collection of guns and loves to hunt, end quote. The prevalence of perfectionism in the Western world has been part and parcel of incredibly stupid foreign and domestic policies. It means moving in terms of assumptions which are unrelated to reality because the ideal must be assumed in order to make it real. Perfectionism sees man as the creator and the world has his will and idea. Modern education is perfectionist. It teaches students that the world can be remade 
if we believe men are naturally good and peace-loving, and that, if only we treat them so, they will be as hoped for. As one prominent quote-unquote theologian believes, if we surrender to the Soviet Union and greet their troops with smiling faces, love will triumph. Churchmen equate their quote, good intentions, end quote, with perfection. To end poverty is good, therefore, to call for the redistribution of wealth means to favour a godly society and a perfect solution to the problem of poverty. The solution to economic and other problems is seen as political, that is, the issuing of political fiats, which will supposedly change the world. Perfectionism believes in cheap remedies. The great perfectionist, Satan, had a simple solution. God was requiring men to learn the discipline of work, science and dominion in the Garden of Eden as a first step towards exercising dominion over all the earth. Genesis 1, 26-28 This was seen as a painfully slow process which would require centuries and much effort. How much simpler it would be if man would, like God, issue a fiat word, determine good and evil for himself and be the creator of his own world. Genesis 3, 1-5 God's way required holiness, a total dedication and obedience to God's law word, and the slow process of maturation, the biblical meaning of perfection. The tempter offered a simpler route, perfection, not holiness, not obedience to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4.4, but being one's own God and decreeing the perfect world. So modern politics was born. Perfectionism also trusts in religious or devotional exercises as the way to power with God. Isaiah speaks bluntly, as do the other prophets, about the evil this can be, saying that God declares, quote, Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast? and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine healing shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go forth, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer, thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday, and the Lord shall guide thee continually. End quote. Isaiah 58, 5-11 What the Lord requires of us is holiness, but holiness is not gained by saying, Go to now, I shall be a saint. Rather, holiness comes as we seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness or justice, Matthew 6.33. We do not become holy by seeking holiness in and of itself, 
the Lord is the Holy One. And we are holy if we do his will. Christ is holy because he is the obedient Son. Quote, for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. End quote. John 6.38 Twice in Hebrews we are told of our Lord that his avowed and ordained purpose was this. Quote, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. End quote. Hebrews 10.7.9 this must be our purpose too, as members of his new humanity. We are not saved to retire to our own devices, but to serve, glorify, and enjoy God forever. We are summoned to be holy, which means to love, serve, and obey the Lord with all our heart, mind, and being, and to love our neighbour as ourself. Holiness is too often seen as mere negation. As one man said recently, Echoing an old sentence, he had lived for years in the premise that he was a Christian because, quote, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do, end quote. Holiness is not merely or essentially negation. It requires separation, but it is false to see it merely as separation from sin. Our Lord describes false separation tellingly. A man rid himself of an unclean spirit and cleansed his life of many things. But his seal for perfection and a negative holiness left the quote, house unquote, merely quote, empty, swept, and garnished. End quote. As a result, the unclean spirit returned with quote, seven other spirits more wicked than himself. With the result that quote, the last state of that man is worse than the first. End quote. Matthew twelve forty three to forty five. This parable by our Lord explains why some supposedly converted people are so great a problem. True holiness is a dedication to the Lord's service with the totality of our being. It is not a concern with our perfection, but a concern for the Lord's work. As David says, quote, For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, end quote, Psalm 69.9, a sentence finding total expression in our Lord. John 2.17 David's sins were very real and were judged by God, but David's zeal for the Lord's work was honoured and blessed by God because David sought God's kingdom and glory. Remember Naaman and Elisha's word. What would some of our modern perfectionists with their false holiness have said to Naaman or to Abraham, Solomon, Peter, or many another saint richly blessed by God? There is much talk today about holiness, but it is a warped and perfectionist doctrine which is too often stressed. The result is negation, and, instead of powerful men of God, it is mousy churchmen who are the results of such teachings. The church must be a training camp and barracks room, sending soldiers of Christ into the world, each in his or her own sphere, to exercise dominion in the name of the Lord. A good army is not trained for exhilaration and parade, but for action. Our God, who is alone holy in and of himself, is a God of action and power. Our holiness comes in working in obedience and faithfulness to his law word. Well done for listening all the way to the end. This is Nathan, the narrator. 
speaking to you from Puebla, Mexico, from the Faith for All of Life school in which I teach English as a volunteer. I teach from kinder through high school. Now, I rely on donations in order to keep teaching and recording, so if you want to support a Faith for All of Life school in Latin America and want to keep listening to Rush Dooney while you vacuum, drive or cook, commute or whatever you're doing right now, donate at cten.org forward slash Nathan Conkey. That's N-A-T-H-A-N-C-O-N-K-E-Y, all lowercase. Or if you prefer PayPal, paypal.me forward slash capital N Nathan capital C Conkey. You can also email me at nfconkey, that's nfconkey at gmail.com. Thanks, and I look forward to speaking to you very soon.